0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Good morning. How are you doing? Me too. I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day. We were just at Lake Michigan last night. Aaliyah went in the water. I went in the pool. <laughs> and it was, the water was great in the pool and the hot tub, I'll have to say. And my feet got wet in Lake Michigan. So uh, yeah, like Kathy said, the series is called Consider the Outcome. We're actually wrapping it up today. It's the last in the, the series for the summer. It's been really great, in my opinion, been awesome to hear from the different people on the preaching team about different people from Scripture. But we've yet to get to someone from the New Testament, so today we will, and uh, I'm excited about that. But first, I want to start with a question. Are you ready for a question? Are you ready for a question? You can interact with me, it's okay. Uh, Yeah, what kind? Good question. A question with a question, that's a good strategy, so I like it. Did you know, the question is, did you know you're called to be an apprentice? Jesus invites you to follow him, learn from him, and become like him, be his apprentice. And actually, this is the good life. This is the full, abundant life that he promised, is in doing that. It's what your heart's deepest longings actually point to, whether you realize it or not. And it's what you were designed for, to apprentice under Jesus. And the way that it happens today is through mentoring relationships with other people, apprenticeships with other people. So you follow people who follow Jesus. You imitate their way of life. You make it your own, and then you pass it on to your own apprentices. That's the way of Jesus. Follow, become a disciple, make disciples. Do you mind turning this down a little bit? It feels a little echoey to me. I don't know if it does out there. Follow Jesus, become a disciple, make disciples. That's how it works. So Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Apprenticeship. In another place, he said, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And our title verse for this series, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Sounds like apprenticeship, doesn't it? That's what the series is about, is looking at people in scripture, their relationship with God, their way of life, and where they have strength to imitate their faith. And where they have failures to learn from them and not imitate those, (laughs) which is also true. Thank the Lord that there are examples of people failing in the Bible, because I fail too. Do you ever? Just me? It's Just me. Okay, it's just me. Yeah, good to know. I was just checking. (laughs) Okay, so uh, a note before we get going. If we're going to spend the whole morning on apprenticeship, we got to start with this. Apprenticeship is not only for young people. Apprenticeship is not only for young people. God gives us people to learn from in every season of life. No matter what season of life you're in, there's someone who can mentor you. Don't let your notion of apprenticeship be stuck based on age. Be humble enough to learn from whoever God sends your way. Be humble enough to learn from whoever God sends your way. After all, Jesus pointed out to the religious leaders at one point, these children in the temple courts start praising Jesus and the religious leaders start getting upset about it. And he's like, guys, don't you remember that it says, from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. In other words, they got it right. Why don't you learn something from them, religious leaders, right? And if that's true for them, people who memorized the entire Old Testament, studied their whole life on scripture and were the religious leaders, isn't it true for us today? Absolutely it is. We can learn from little children. In other places, Jesus says your faith needs to be like that of a child. And so we can all apprentice. Okay, so I want to tell you three stories about apprenticeship. One failure, one success, and then we'll spend the rest of the time talking about Timothy and his story, All right? So first, the failure, and it is my own. (laughs) So in high school, I didn't really realize this, but what I wanted really badly was apprenticeship. Um, my, I was taking my relationship with God seriously at some point in, in high school there. And uh, I was going to church. I was really involved. I was in youth group. I was really involved there. And I was looking for a mentor in the faith and someone to mentor me into manhood, really. I couldn't have put words like that to it at the time, right? But there was something going on. And now looking back, I can see I wanted to be an apprentice. But nobody had taught this message today that I can remember. And if they did, I missed it. <laughs> you know, nobody said, like, hey, Jesus said, come follow me. And what, it, what he meant by it was, come help me accomplish my mission, come work for me. You'll learn along the way. You'll learn to do what I do. You'll get to know me. You'll learn how I think, how I talk, how I pray how I interact with other people, and I'll give myself to you as we do life and mission together. Doesn't that sound like what Jesus did with the 12 and with the 70 and so on? But I didn't have that picture in my head for whatever reason. I was waiting to be noticed and maybe, I don't know, invited over to my youth pastor's house for dinner and like semi-adopted or something. I don't know. It was some skewed view of what it meant to have a mentor. It wasn't realistic. It was an unrealistic expectation I had built up in here, and I put on other people. And so I was passive. I was waiting for this, like, magical, spiritual moment to hit me, and it never did. Not in the way I expected it. And so I missed out on a lot of opportunities at that point in time. Not because I wasn't given opportunities, but because it didn't match what was going on between my ears, and so I didn't give them the credit they deserved, I didn't press into them as much as I could have. I didn't make the most of it because I was looking for something and I got something different than what I expected. I was just realizing during worship, another thing I had screwed up in my head is I just didn't understand the pace of apprenticeship. It is long and slow. And especially in high school, I was like thinking magic moment and boom, boom, boom. And then I'm going to be something, right? You know, like it's going to happen quick. It doesn't. Okay, so that's a failure. Mine, I share with you today. Now let's move over here to a successful apprenticeship. Apprenticeships look like this today. (laughs) My Fast forward just a few years and I'm at college. University of Michigan Engineering School. As you know, I like to talk about how I'm an engineer and think and I'm nerdy and whatever. I don't know. But I met a like-minded guy, my roommate. We went in blind, didn't know each other, but he's an engineering student too. I like this guy already. We tried some stuff together as we're sort of finding ourselves as young adults at college, you know, some clubs, hobbies to try, some different groups to join. Um, but then he did something that I didn't do. He signed up to work for a professor. I think it was freshman year. And um, wow, he ended up apprenticing for this professor for 10 years until he finished his Ph.D. program. The guy's name was Professor Drake, and somewhere along the way, kind Professor Drake uh, hired this pretty young engineering uh, graduate student that my roommate, Eric, would uh, date and eventually marry. Now, there's a benefit of apprenticeship if I ever saw (laughs) 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 Professor Drake was at the wedding, you know, and he saw my roommate, Eric, off to a great career that I believe is still going strong at a... Um, Sandia National Labs, where he studies things I can't even pronounce. Um, so he's got, he got launched into a great career as well. So I just wanted to think about the difference between my experience and Eric's, only a couple years apart, and uh, he understood and valued apprenticeship in a way I just didn't. He took initiative to pursue it in a way that I didn't. And then he gave himself to serve the work of his mentor in a way I couldn't have even... Fathomed. I didn't realize that was part of it. You know, he's just working on Professor Drake's projects, right? Making Professor Drake a success and learning along the way. I didn't realize that was a part of it. And then he gained so much from that relationship. A wife and family, a launch to a great career, his PhD, all supported by this relationship. So great job, Eric, if you ever watch this. (laughs) Love you, bud. Good to see you through the camera or whatever. (laughs) Give me a call. Um, so let's consider the outcome of Timothy and his apprenticeship. I knew I wanted to talk about Timothy today. And so I just started grabbing every bit of Timothy I could find in the New Testament and started putting it all together to see like, what was his life like? And then I thought, well, what, what's the takeaway to share with you guys today? And apprenticeship is what came to mind. If there ever was a biblical apprentice, he's a great example of one. There are others, too. Maybe your mind will light up with other ones. You can go study on your own after today. But man, is he a good one. So like not many people that I've heard of ever preach about Timothy, the man, his life, or like that apprenticeship aspect. Maybe those sermons are out there. I haven't heard them. A lot of people talk and argue about the doctrinal implications of Paul's letters to Timothy, but that's not where we're going today. We're talking about his life, his relationships, and his apprenticeship. So uh, let's get into it. He's mentioned by name at least 25 times in the New Testament, depending on the version that you like to read. But he's, um, he's there more than 25 times because he travels with Paul. So a lot of the times after about Acts 16 that you're reading about Paul, you're reading about Timothy because he was there too. Not all the time, but a lot of times. Um, he's in different places he shows up around the map. I didn't put a map in the slideshow today, but if I did, you'd see he covered a lot of ground with Paul. Um, He's in a lot of different roles. We'll talk about that. Did you know he's the co-sender of like uh, maybe about five or six of the New Testament letters? Yeah, like when you read that letter, it's like, hey, it's from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Hey, guys, from Paul and Timothy, here's the letter. Don't you always think of it as Paul's? I did, but it's from Timothy as well. He's the personal recipient of two letters that are in our New Testament. Not many people can say that. Uh, maybe none. Um, so that's pretty cool. And he's a primary leader in a significant church in the city of Ephesus for many years. So he's kind of a big deal, if I do say so myself, about good old Tim. He comes on the scene in the book of Acts. He's the son of a Greek father and a Jewish mother, which is an interesting upbringing, and a Jewish grandmother. He's raised learning the Jewish scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. And people think he became a Christian on Paul's first missionary journey through the city of Lystra, which is maybe his hometown or where he was living at the time. He might have been there when Paul healed the lame man in Acts 14, verses 8 and 10. He might have seen that miracle. We don't know. He might have been there when the people of the city who are not converting to Christianity stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, and left him for dead. Or who knows, maybe Timothy's one of the believers who found Paul and brought him back to help heal his wounds and then send him on his way. He could have been there, or certainly he might have heard about it because he was there at that place at that time. He's probably a teenager to 30 years old at this time when Paul comes through town. Paul's probably in his 40s, 10 to 20 years older than Timothy. And good old Paul comes back to town a second time. He doesn't have Barnabas with him this time. He's got Silas, fun fact. And he comes back to town on his second journey, and he hears some good things about old Timmy. He says, hey, you want to come with me and Silas and join us on the journey? And that begins an apprenticeship that lasts about 16 years until Paul's death. And Timothy continues after that for another 30 years until his own death, serving the church in Ephesus and possibly elsewhere. So, That's an overview of Timothy. And with that, we'll close. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Wouldn't that be hilarious? (laughs) Oh, boy. Timothy, like my friend Eric, I think he understood and appreciated apprenticeship. You know, I think he made the most of it. He certainly, as we'll see, gave himself to serve the mission of his mentor. And he gained so much from that relationship. In one of the letters, Paul talks about this tearful goodbye between him and Timothy. And so we can tell there's just this tight bond and close relationship between the two of them that Timothy benefited from. Okay, so thinking about his apprenticeship, I was like, all right, how are we going to sort of approach this? And I broke it into five different phases of apprenticeship. So we're going to work through five phases of apprenticeship in the life of Timothy this morning. Preparation, the call to serve, brother and coworker, son, and then father and mentor. And in each phase, because I'm an engineer, I'm going to break it down even further <laughs> into component parts. We're going to do three R's in each phase. His responsibility, his relationship, and his reward. And I think a helpful uh, Parallel as we look at Timothy's sort of spiritual apprenticeship under Paul is to think about something today, in today's day and age. And so I thought of pipe fitter apprenticeship. I, until recently, I worked at Post Foods in Battle Creek making cereal as an engineer there. I didn't make the cereal, I just helped the people who did. Um, but they started a pipe fitter apprentice program uh, just a couple of years ago. And so I think this is good to help us. We can think about what a new pipe fitter might do as an apprentice. And then see how Timothy does things that are similar, and hopefully it'll sort of draw a little bit more richness to it as we go. So let's start right there. Let's think about a pipe fitter apprentice before they even get the job, right? They're filling out their application for the job. And what do you put on an application? I put the answer on the slide already, so I won't ask you, but, you know, we like open note tests, don't we? Okay, you put down your related experience, right? You put down aptitude for the job, and you put down references. People will say, hey, hire this guy. It's a good idea to hire him. So when you think about the pipe fitter applying for the apprenticeship as a pipe fitter, you're going to put stuff like, hey, I took shop class. I like to work on cars as a hobby. Um, Things that show a mechanical aptitude because it's a mechanical job. Does that make sense? Right? Like, I haven't done pipe fitting as a profession, but here's things I have done that apply. And... uh, Here's some people who will vouch for my character and say that they think I'm good for the job. So um, these things show your potential, right? That you're prepared, phase one preparation, you're prepared to engage and do the job well. So let's join Paul, if we can, looking at Timothy's application for the job to join him on missionary work. What is Timothy's related experience? Well, in one place, Paul writes about Timothy and his previous related experience. He said from infancy, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy knew the Scriptures. He had an aptitude for ministry that's shown in sincere faith. Paul writes to him, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I... And, I'm persuaded, now lives also in you. So he had sincere faith an aptitude for ministry, right? And then he had good references. Acts 16.2, the believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him to Paul. So he had sincere faith that was somehow expressed in good works that people could see and point to and say, Hey, Paul, this guy would be good for the job. Timothy was prepared for apprenticeship. So let's look at the three R's. What responsibility does he have? The moment Paul's thinking about calling him to join him. He has none. (laughs) hasn't started yet. His relationship to Paul is maybe acquaintance at best. Paul came through town before. And what reward does he have for his preparation? Well, he's qualified for the job. Paul says, hey, why don't you come with us? So preparation prepares for being called. When we come to this point, at the end of each phase, I'm going to ask you to ask yourself some questions, all right? This is how we apply a message to our lives. We think about questions like this, and then we go chew on them, figure out what to do different than we've been doing before. Are you prepared for apprenticeship in the faith? Do you know the Bible? Do you read it daily? Do you have a sincere faith? Does that faith express itself in good works that people could notice and give you a good reference? Apprenticeship doesn't begin without preparation. All right, let's move to phase two. Called to serve. All right, so you're hired pipe fitter apprentice. What does it look like your first week on the job? Well, you start following the experienced guys around the different job sites. You start doing setup work, cleanup work dirty work, and you serve the people that are mentoring you, right? They're going to do the pipe fitting, which I can't tell you exactly what that means. I kind of have a vague notion in my head, (laughs) right? They're going to do the skilled work. You're going to do the unskilled work and help the skilled people be efficient and effective and get the job done. Maybe they'll haze you. I don't know. (laughs) I do know. I've been around the guys a bit. (laughs) They do. Okay, so that's like carrying uh, tools, materials, and supplies to the job site. Get it set up. Then the guys come in who know what they're doing, that sort of thing. Maybe during the job, you're going to run back to the truck or back to the shop to get more supplies as they're needed. And then you're going to be a fire watch. You guys know what this is? If anybody knows, wave your hand at me. I'll be so impressed. Yes. Yeah, the engineer over there. Okay. The fire watch is the guy. They get done welding, right, which makes stuff super hot. And in a factory like the one at Post that I worked at, we don't want fires. Fires are bad. cost costs a lot of time, a lot of money. People could get hurt. Equipment can get damaged. So the fire watch sits around after the welding's done with specifically no other task. You can't be doing another job because your job is to make sure a fire doesn't get started. You wait till the stuff cools down. So that's what you put the junior guy on, right? Hey, we're done. We're moving on to the next thing. We're going to lunch. But you stay here as the fire watch. And then you clean up the mess at the end of the job. So the same is true for Timothy. We find him going around to different job sites with Paul, the churches that Paul had planted already, and the cities where he wants to uh, preach the gospel and plant a new church. Timothy's following around the experienced guy. Sometimes Paul sends him ahead for setup duties. Like in uh, Acts 19.22, Paul is the one that it's talking about here. It says, he sent two of his helpers. Timothy and Erastus to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. He sent ahead, go set up, get ready, I'm coming soon to do the skilled labor. You unskilled guy, go ahead of me. Sometimes he stays behind after Paul leaves for cleanup duty, like in Acts 17.14. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea a little longer. Cleanup duty. And then sometimes he does the dirty work. There's this cool passage. If you kind of start thinking about it, you realize what happened. Um, Paul in Acts 18 is working as a tent maker with Priscilla and Aquila in Corinth, right? But then there's this verse that says, when Timothy arrives, he exclusively devotes himself to preaching and teaching. Let me just read it to you. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. So what happened there? For whatever reason, Paul is doing tent making to earn money so that they can be supported in their missionary work. But then Timothy and Silas show up, and Paul stops doing that. So who's providing for their ministry now? Probably Tim and Silas, right? So sometimes Timothy gets the dirty work in this phase of apprenticeship, phase two. Let's look at our three R's. So what responsibilities does Timothy have? Now that he's on board, but he's just starting out. Set up, clean up, dirty jobs. What relationship does he have to Paul? Total service, right? Paul's the rock star guy. He's preaching, he's teaching. The miracles are happening. The ministry's happening. And is Timothy making tents? I don't know what he's doing. He's doing the the dirty work. But he's to serve Paul in his ministry. And what's the reward? He's slowly building up a reputation with his mentor that he can be counted upon, he's slowly gaining respect from Paul, and he's learning what Paul does, his way of life, his teaching. He's learning from Paul in the day in and day out as he watches a minister. All right, questions. Are you ready? These are challenging sometimes. I hope you're ready. You said you were. Here it comes. Are there jobs that are below you or not worth your time? You don't have to raise your hand. Please don't raise your hands. I see that head, brother. Just kidding. No one raised their hand. (laughs) Are there jobs that are below you and not worth your time? Are you willing to serve someone else's ministry like Timothy did? Do you value small incremental learning that happens at this stage when it doesn't even seem like you're learning? Apprenticeship leads to great and meaningful work but it goes through humble times that try your patience and humility. You'll never have a ministry of your own if you won't serve someone else's. There's a snap. I see that snap, brother. You'll never have a ministry of your own if you won't serve someone else's. Because in reality, it's all the Lord's ministry, and you need to come to understand that. Okay? Those of you who aspire to ministry, that was for you. Phase three. Brother and co-worker, all right? Eventually, your time comes. You begin doing skilled work. You work independently. You're now a brother and a co-worker. For a pipe fitter, maybe you get your own projects to work on where you lay it out, do it, accomplish it. You're viewed more as an equal with the experienced guys. Actually, it's common for people when they were talking to me a post to say, my union brothers, they actually use that term, just like Paul uses it of Timothy, as we'll see in a minute. You become a brother, you join the brotherhood, you have skills. Um, just as it happens in the trades, it does happen with Timothy. We see him start taking an active role in ministry. An example is he's sent to the church in Thessalonica. This is not a menial or dirty job. Paul wanted to go there himself but he was prevented from doing so. And it's a church that Paul loves dearly. And I want to read you a verse that shows that, just to prove that this was not one of the dirty jobs. Paul writes to them, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, which is a lot, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So Thessalonica has a church that Paul loves dearly, like a mother who cares for her children that are nursing, but he can't go. And so he's like, I'm going to send the right guy for the job. Timothy, you go. You're a brother and a coworker. I can trust you. You have what it takes to do the job. Paul uses these two labels for Timothy a bunch. Um, here's two of the examples. 1 Thessalonians 3.2 and Romans 16.21, if you want to look it up. But he starts calling Timothy our brother Timothy my co-worker for the gospel. In this phase we talk about how Timothy is the co-sender of a bunch of the letters. Which ones? There you go if you want to go look it up. Often it's hey from Paul, Silas and Timothy or from Paul and Timothy, here's this letter to a church or to a person. He's co-sending letters now. That's a new thing. You didn't do that when you were the junior guy. But now he does. There's a real shift happening for Timothy from setup and cleanup man to brother, coworker, and in a sense like an ambassador on behalf of Paul's ministry. He sends him out to do the work that he would personally do himself if he could be there. Why can Paul trust him in this way? Because he's learned Paul's ways. He's been around long enough. He's spent the time and he's proven himself. In one place, Paul said to him, You've You know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. It's quite a list, right? It's like, you've been through it all with me, man. (laughs) Tim, we've seen it all. You know how I live. You know how I teach. You know how I approach every different season of life, every challenge. You've been there. You're a brother. All right, let's look at our three R's for this phase of apprenticeship. What responsibilities does Timothy have? He's got his own projects. He's expected to be responsible for his own productivity, right? He's out there being independent, working and doing the ministry and producing good fruit of the gospel. What's his relationship with Paul look like? There's now a respect, a trust, and a growing closeness with Paul. And his reward in this stage is the satisfaction of jobs well done. You ever done that? Or you got kind of a big job, maybe you weren't sure you were ready for it, or it's the first time you've done this type of job, and you get it done and it goes well, and you're like, oh, that's satisfying, right? Can you picture Timothy having those moments, maybe coming back from Thessalonica with the, the response from the church, hey, Paul, here's what they had to say. It went really good. He's feeling pretty good. There's a satisfaction. That's a reward in doing good work for the gospel and for your mentor, The relationship with Paul is a reward in itself. It's really grown a lot, you know? He's really uh, gained closeness and relationship with Paul. Paul's probably proud of him and expresses that at different moments. Um, And so that's a reward as well. Some questions for you, though. Have you built trust with your mentor by learning their ways? Have you been faithful with the little jobs to qualify for the big ones? Apprentices become co workers when they learn what they need to learn and build trust by being faithful with the small jobs. Whew. Almost threw my clicker on the floor. Okay, phase four. We're doing great. We're doing great. Phase four is son. In this phase of apprenticeship, Timothy becomes a son to Paul. He's a trusted partner. He starts to carry the torch. Paul starts passing the baton to him. So think about it as the pipe fitter apprenticeship thing, all right? But the pipe fitter apprentice is being mentored not by just some guy at the company, but the owner of the company, who's his dad. The owner of the company is dad. But he doesn't just sit in the office. He goes out and he leads a crew and he does jobs. And he's brought his son along with him on multiple jobs over many years. He's trained his son in how to do the work. He and his son have been through a bunch of different stuff on a bunch of different jobs. He's gained a ton of experience, seeing his dad troubleshoot and solve problems, deal with customers, yada, yada, right? And now the son is a competent worker in his own right. The father views him as a trusted partner now. And he gets ready to hand over the company. You see that happening in a small pipe fitting shop, maybe here in town or whatever? It does. It happens all the time. Timothy's relationship with Paul builds to this point as well. Um, He's referred to by Paul more and more as a son. Uh, Let's give you one example from 1 Corinthians 4.17. He's writing to the church in Corinth. He says, For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who's faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus. Timothy's a proven minister at this point. His work and his character are very well established. When Paul writes to the church in Philippi, he says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. But you know Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Proud dad right there, right? Sending you someone you can trust, my son. So he writes two letters to Timothy. Remember that whole recipient of two letters thing we mentioned? Makes Timothy kind of a big deal as far as New Testament goes. They're both addressed to Timothy as son Timothy, my true son in the faith. Timothy, my dear son. At the point that he receives um, these letters, Timothy oversees a church in Ephesus. He's running the company, so to speak. (laughs) Paul sees his own ministry finish line approaching. At least in the second letter, I don't don't remember about the first, but in the second, he's in prison. And it feels like Paul's starting to give more like pass the baton and parting words to Timothy in these letters as you read them. Here's a few examples. He says, Fight the good fight. Hold on to the faith till the end, Timothy. Don't let your faith get shipwrecked like others have done. The time for my departure is near. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. He doesn't say this in there, but you can imagine him saying, you do the same, my son. In this phase of sonship, Timothy's responsibilities are overseer. He's doing ministry independently and overseeing a congregation of people. He's running the show, running the company, so to speak. His relationship with Paul, his father-son, is full of love and support. Paul is totally empowering him. He's been sent to go and to do it. And Paul writes these letters to just help him toward that end. His reward is different now. His reward is the flourishing of those that he's ministering to. The flourishing of those he's ministering to is his reward. He's... Um, He's got eternal reward because it's spiritual work, right? He's mentoring people in the Christian faith and he's having eternal reward. Apprenticeship is really starting to pay off, isn't it? These are some sweet rewards at this stage. So, reflection questions again. Does your track record make you a trusted partner? Are the people that you minister to flourishing? Now, when I say that one, I don't mean church ministry only. You might have church ministry here at New Day or, or in a ministry in town elsewhere. Um, but there's so many ways that you minister to people in your home, maybe with kids, grandkids, your spouse, maybe friends or roommates at work. You have a ministry to your coworkers. Is that ministry being given? Are they flourishing under it because you're doing a good job? Then will you fight the good fight till the end? Will you endure hardship and stay the course? That's yet to be determined, isn't it? (laughs) Apprenticeship leads to ownership for those who gain the respect and trust of their mentor. Takes time, though. Takes years of demonstrated faithfulness. But it's so worth it. And it's what you're called by God to do. What you're called by God to do, take ownership in the kingdom, to run the show where you're given authority. Phase five, this is a short one, but father and mentor. Becoming a mentor to others, teaching, training, and empowering is the last phase of apprenticeship where it sort of flips on its head, right? Tradition has it that Timothy stayed at Ephesus for 30 years after Paul died. 16 years of apprenticeship with Paul, another 30 years uh, leading the church at Ephesus. Um, Tradition says that Timothy was martyred by a mob who beat him with clubs when he objected to the uh, worship of a pagan god there in Ephesus. Um, That comes from the Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you're interested in looking it up. It's a really short section. I basically told you the whole thing, so (laughs) not a lot more there to find. Um, I'm not aware of a record of Timothy's apprentices. There may be that I don't know of, but I think it's really safe to assume that he apprenticed other people. I've got two good reasons for that. One, Paul did a really good job mentoring Timothy, right? And, if, and we think Timothy was a really good apprentice. I think I've made that case pretty well. So Of course, he's going to follow in Paul's footsteps, right? And empower other people the way Paul empowered him. And the other reason is Paul told him to. (laughs) Paul told him to. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. In other words, go mentor. Take on apprentices, Timothy, just like I took you on. Being a father or a mentor, a mother, if you're female, uh, the responsibility is to teach train and empower the relationship is giving instead of getting giving as a mentor in that way to your apprentices the reward is seeing the next generation flourish right you hope that your ceiling is their floor and you're just a launch pad for them by apprenticing them you want to see them go further and do more than you were able to do are you mentoring others in the areas where you're gifted and mature and where you have authority when you look back, will you have left a godly legacy in this season of your life? Apprenticeship leads to ownership, which leads to mentoring others. Did you like the five phases and the three R's? A round of applause. I was just trying to make a pause so I could get a drink, but thank you. Very kind. Very kind of you. Let's review. Let's reveal it in closing here. Here's our five phases all on one slide, if you didn't catch them as we went through. Preparation, the call to serve, brother and co-worker is three, four is son, five is father and mentor. We watched Timothy sort of go through all five of those. We looked at his responsibilities, his relationships, and his rewards in each phase. We made this statement about apprenticeship in each one. So I just want to give you each of those one more time too. Preparation, phase one, Apprenticeship doesn't begin without preparation. It doesn't begin if you're not prepared. Phase two, called to serve. Apprenticeship leads to great and meaningful work, but it goes through humble times that try your patience and humility. It's a key part of it. Don't overlook that. (laughs) Someone said that part doesn't go away. (laughs) Yeah, True. Phase 3 brother and coworker. Apprentices become coworkers when they learn what they need to learn and build trust by being faithful with the small jobs. That's how you get to brother. That's how you get to coworker. That's how you get to independent work or ministry. 4 is sonship. Apprenticeship leads to ownership for those who gain the respect and trust of their mentor. And 5, apprenticeship leads to ownership which leads to mentoring others. We're going to end where we started. Jesus invites you to be his apprentice. He offers something better than a wage and a pension. Did you know that? He offers co-heir ownership of the Father's kingdom and eternal life. That's pretty sweet. That's a pretty sweet deal. I want you to apply for that job if you haven't already. Take that job. Work that job all the way through to the pension. (laughs) The health insurance is excellent. A resurrected body. It could be no better. (laughs) Good question. I love the razzing. So good. Okay. I won't ask for other (laughs) questions. So good. (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Jesus wants you to be his apprentice. And he has a plan for you to mentor other people into the same thing he's offering you. Right? You receive it, you build up in it, you get mature in it, and you pass it on. That's what he set up. Right? He called 12 people to change the world for all of the rest of history. And then he took off and said, see you guys. But I'll give you the Holy Spirit, of course. <laughs> right? 12 guys to change. Is that how you would do it? Not me. But that's how he did it. He built Into them experiences. He spent time with them. They watched him. They learned from him. And he said, You got what it takes. Go and do it. Are they perfect? By no means, right? We've got record of that in the New Testament. But it works. So, guys, here's the challenge Be an apprentice in this house. Will you be an apprentice in this house, please? Be a son. Be a daughter. Will you be a mentor in this house, please? I welcome you to. Be a father. Be a mother. You have a lot to gain, and you have a lot to give. Let's just kind of wrap up the series with the the verse that we based it all on. Remember your leaders. You know, the people in Scripture is what we've looked at this summer. Think about people in your life, too. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Be an apprentice. Kathy, will you come and close?
1: Amen. That was so good. Um, The Holy Spirit has been speaking to me all summer long about that very thing, about our ceiling being the next generation, our ceiling being the next generation's floor. Like, I don't want people to have to struggle with the things that I struggled with. And we all do have to do that to some degree. But if you could help somebody avoid some things, I mean, I look back and think, man, man. I wish I hadn't done that, you know, where was my, where was my mentor? Well, was I prepared to be mentored, right? Was I reading my Bible? I can tell you as a early Christian, I was not. I picked it up when I was in trouble, opened it like, okay, Lord, <laughs> because that was magically going to fix my issue instead of having a consistent walk. um, and there are so many people in this house that have so much to offer, and it doesn't have to be somebody who's older than you. It could be somebody that's younger than you. I learn from Bill and Mary Lee all the time. You are younger than me, just FYI. <clears throat> I know we don't think so, but yeah, <clears throat> no. Um, but we, ha- each one of us, have something to give, and so. I just, want to, I just want us to take a moment, and I'm going to read you a couple of the questions. I didn't get them written all down, but I want to read a couple of the questions. So would you close your eyes? We're just going to ask the Lord to reveal to you what place you're at. Where are you at? And can you answer these questions? Are you prepared to be apprenticed? Are you prepared to be an apprentice? Are you willing to let someone speak into your life? Are you reading your Bible? Are there jobs that you believe are beneath you? Are you willing to serve another's ministry and then let them succeed? Have you built up trust? with other people Does your track record make you trustworthy Are there people you are ministering to that are flourishing Will you stay the course are you willing to mentor others? And if you had any of those um, resonate in your heart, would encourage you today to make time to seek the Lord in whatever area it is. Maybe it was, I don't have someone. Ask the Lord to lead you to who that is. If it is you were to mentor someone, then ask him who you want. he wants you to mentor and make that call today. Father, I just thank you so much, not only for your saving grace, you saved us. When we were sinners, you, you sent your son to die on a cross so that we could believe and be saved that we would have a relationship, but you didn't just leave it there. You gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then you put us in a family. And if you call this church New Day your home, you are in a family, and you have people here who want to mentor you. Father, I thank you right now for the opportunity for us to learn from one another, to grow in our relationship with you and with others by being an apprentice. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.